Once I see you, the device works properly. Then release me. I very much doubt it. You see, before you reactivated it, I reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. Realize what will happen. Oh yes. You. Well, I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. So he's reversed the polarity. Keep back. Hello and welcome to Reversing Polarity, a podcast where I ramble about my latest Now TV obsession and AIM tries desperately to make me talk about Doctor Who. My name is Rosie, my pronouns are they, them, and I recommend that you all watch Transplant on uh, Sky Witness. (laughs) Uh, My name is AIM, my pronouns are also they, them. I have not been sucked down this rabbit hole yet. (laughs) That was a brilliant intro though. Thank you. I wrote it out so that I would know it's in a different Google Doc, so I wouldn't spoil you. Ah, um, uh, perfect moment. But here's a little hint for the tone of this episode. Transplant, much more enjoyable than the, the reboss <laughs> operation. I said it wrong last time, because how was I supposed to know that it's pronounced reboss? English is a wild language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what a wild serial! But yeah, we watched the, the <laughs> reboss, the reboss operation by Robert Holmes, mm-hmm. um, which is now really funny to me because I watched the 2010 Asylum Sherlock Holmes, in which it is revealed that Sherlock's real name is Robert. Wait, what? It, is is Robert Holmes Sherlock Holmes? Um, at least in the Asylum movie where there's a big robot dinosaur. Um, uh, legit, that is about as accurate as historical representations get. Yeah, um, Doctor Who is, is trembling. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a Robert Holmes story. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other Robert Holmes ones that I've watched. Did he do? He didn't do Three Doctors. What did he do? Did he do? Um, oh, I'm so bad at remembering who wrote which episode. He's like a he, big he, fourth Doctor guy. Yeah, the Crotons. Oh, I I've only listened to the Crotons. Yeah. I got it on CD. <laughs> Um, um, Ark in Space, Pyramids of Mars. Oh, I've seen Pyramids of Mars. Um, uh, Brain of Morbius, spearhead, which is wild. Yeah. Spearhead from Space, um, Two Doctors. It's amazing the the contrast in here. Like, yeah, you've Caves got, of Androzani. You, yeah, you've got Caves of Androzani, and then you've got the Rebos operation. <laughs> the talents of you look Chiang. at When you look at most of his work, it is very much about like class rivalry and fuck the system and there are tones of this here but it doesn't feel mm. as strong as it does in a lot of his other stories we'll we'll get into it i imagine yeah we um. will <laughs> oh man we so well uh have you seen knowledge... this yeah, yeah, yeah i have i've not seen any of the key to time before um no. as you as you know i was a fourth doctor auntie for many years i'm no longer an auntie i'm not like I like him, he's still quite low on my doctor ranking. <laughs> I think That's it's fair. because he's like the doc, the the doctor's doctor. He's like the everyman's doctor. So I'm like, but what's the spice? What's the special doctoriness? When it it's is the that the that ro- spicy, defi- spicy scarf. He defined the role for the following forty years, and I'm like, oh, but why doesn't he have a, a recorder? <laughs> Where's his salary? Yeah, exactly. I acknowledge that my biases are biases, um, but that doesn't make them any less psychologically relevant to me when I'm watching these. However, uh, I hadn't seen Romana wanted anything before, and she's so sexy, I wanted to die. She is perfection. She's what kept me oh watching through most of the story. 
Yeah, um, she's just... I adore her. Oh, she's so good. She's so good. Yeah, did you have much prior knowledge of this one? I think I might have seen it before, but if I did, it didn't leave much of an impression on me. That makes sense, because I watched it today, and it hasn't left much <laughs> of an impression. Uh, um, shall we jump into Recap Town? Yeah, sounds good. The Doctor is summoned by the mysterious and powerful White Guardian, and sent on a quest to find the six segments of the key to time, which, once assembled, will restore balance to the universe. Joining okay. the Doctor and K-9 is the Yay! smart and sassy Romana, a Time Lord fresh from the Academy. Landing on the wintry planet of Rebos to locate the first segment, the TARDIS crew quickly finds themselves embroiled in a little local trouble with a pair of conmen and an unstable warlord. This all sounds like so much fun, and yet when I was watching it, I was having so little fun. You know how sometimes there's so many good elements of a story that when they don't come together, it's even more frustrating because the potential is all there? Yeah, it's just... it's. It doesn't feel right. I feel like we'll get more into it, obviously. Like, yeah. I, I do enjoy uh, the setup where he gets, you know, yanked out of the TARDIS to, like, <laughs> you know, a, a space a space desert island with a palm tree <laughs> and a deck chair with the White Guardian. It's a nice um, visual change from the rest of the episode. Yes, I did message AIM at this point in the episode and say, well, he's no Arbitan. Um, we'll probably end up talking more about the Keys of Marinus because I missed it when I was watching this. I think you were texting me every five minutes saying it would be better if it was Keys of Marinus. That's exactly, yeah, every five minutes for the past day, even when I was watching something else, I was like, man. Even when you were imagine- asleep. Im- yeah, yeah, sleep texting. Imagine if instead of going to Rebus, they'd gone to Millennius and someone had been framed for murder. <laughs> it would have been more interesting. It would have been more interesting. All right, so um, episode one. There's a great opening to this one. I really like it. Uh, using a dog whistle to awaken K9. <laughs> this so is the first charming. appearance of uh, K9 Mark 2, because K9 Mark 1 went with Leela, right? In the previous story? Yes. Yeah. Uh, using a dog whistle to awaken K9, the Doctor begins busily planning a holiday to Halligan 3. Oh, so cute. <laughs> it's just. He's talking to K9 and he's like, you'd like a holiday, wouldn't you, K9? And he goes, affirmative, affirmative. It's really sweet. It's also just quite domestic. And I really like it anything is. that's TARDIS domesticity. It's so cute. Um, as established on the podcast, we love K9. He is mm-hmm. God-tier companion. A good he's boy. The, he's a good boy, exactly. And the goodest I love, boy? I lo- yeah, I love, that he, <laughs> I love that he trains him with a real dog whistle. <laughs> What else would he train her, him with? True, I, d- I don't know, I don't know. Sonic dog whistle? I guess they are Sonic anyway. Yeah. Much to think about, much to consider. Suddenly, the TARDIS goes dark and a mysterious voice summons him from outside. The White Guardian asks the Doctor to complete a task for him. Sorry, my doorbell just went? I have to go and check that. <laughs> okay, go for it. Since I can leave Enneth boot, maybe there's Howard or Dasa will come techno. That's nice. Hello, I'm back. Hello. I left nothing weird in the audio track for you. <laughs> I look forward to finding out exactly what the nothing weird was. Um, someone came to the door asking to put a bin bag in our bins because theirs is full. And I was like, 
Okay. <laughs> you interrupted my podcast recording. Where was I? For that. For that. Um, the White Guardian asks the Doctor to complete a task for him, to find the six segments of the key to time, an immensely powerful cube which maintains the equilibrium of time. The segments are hidden throughout the cosmos, though they can be found with a locator. Before the Doctor embarks on the quest, he is warned that there is a dangerous Black Guardian who also covets the key. This setup is fine. <laughs> I didn't really understand why it's necessary that they find it now. I imagine it has something to do with what happened in the the previous story, the invasion oh. of time, because that's got oh, some Gallifrey bullshit in it. it. Of course it is. Oh, we 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 originally rolled a different part of the key to time thing, and I was like, we should probably start with the first one. And even then, we don't have all the continuity. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I do like it as a sort of attempt to do a series arc, which they oh, yeah. hadn't done. They had all the, the, the series where the master was always there, but that wasn't an arc. He was just a recurring piece of the furniture. Yeah, yeah, he's a part of the family. <laughs> he is. He just gate crashes all the unit parties. It's good. Um, no, and I nobody mean, I like wants to admit that they're happy to see him. No, exactly. I like it as a setup. It takes what like five minutes of the episode so not too bad for a setup mm. um contrary to keys of marinus where it took the entire episode <laughs> because they were really busy pushing paper cuts out boards into acid um which is important yes oddly i think the production values on marinus were somewhat better than on this one because <laughs> they spent all their money on a puppet they didn't use um, yeah <clears throat> It's a really good puppet, though. I'm sure we'll get to it. I also do like this offhand mention of the Black Guardian, who obviously we saw last episode in Modern Undead. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your theory about them, Aim? Just to share with the, the listeners? They're married. They're, they're, uh... They are gay and married outside of time, and they enjoy causing chaos for the other. That sounds cute. Kind of like a uh, Crowley and Aziraphale kind of dynamic. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the White Guardian very much has this pompous dandy aesthetic. Yeah. God, now I want to write a good omens key to time thing. No, Rosie, don't do it. Nothing is stopping you. Uh, well, the thing that's stopping me at the moment is my devastation over having finished season one of Transplant, the the the, the Sky Witness medical trauma. But how many seasons are there? There's only one at the moment. They're making the second uh. one. They only just started making the second one, and I'm like, no, I need more. <laughs> I need more of the show. It's about a Syrian refugee who um, gets a job at a, a hospital and he has to like deal with life and really good. And Oh man, I need to stop watching television, obviously, that's not Doctor Who, because it just gets me confused, conflicted. I would like, I woke up this morning and I went, I have to watch, I have to watch the Rebus operation before I can watch any more of Transplant. And it made me resent <laughs> the Rebus <laughs> operation. I think it had it like, been a slightly more interesting story... I was like, you're not Dr. Bashir Hamad. Why should I care? Um, and they didn't persuade me in any way on, on that front. Um, I did see you posting about uh, Bashir the other day and I'm like, Julian? My not boy? Julian Bashir, although, although I do love Julian Bashir. This one, Bashir is his first name and they call him Bash. Yeah. It's cute. Um, it's on now TV until the beginning of April, so <laughs> definitely will be off by the time this episode goes out. Oh we record far in advance in case of needing to pause our recordings, such as this time, which is why it's going to be a disastrous recording session. <laughs> a it's brilliant recording. We bring the chaos. Week. Anything could happen. Yes. D- disaster in a neutral sense. <laughs> um, Chaotic returning- neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Return. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> now, now I'm trying to remember what chaotic neutral J.R.R. Tolkien name is. <laughs> Tolkien. I don't know what it is. Um, 
Returning to the TARDIS, the Doctor tells K-9 that their holiday is off and finds that he has been assigned a new assistant, a Time Lord named Romana Dvorak Trelunda, whom the Doctor calls Romana. Now, she says this in a way that doesn't sound like Romana Dvorak Trelunda, but that's how I've said it ever since I first saw it, so I'm just going to stick with that. I think that's fair. You're doing a better job than I would. She puts, like, an N in it somewhere, like, where there's not an N, and I'm like, you know what, Mary Tam, I don't blame you. Why would they give you this name? Um... (laughs) As a new recruit from the Time Lord Academy on Gallifrey, Romana is inexperienced, but she believes herself just as capable as the Doctor, who would rather work alone. The Doctor, though incensed to find that there is now a hole in his console, inserts the locator into the hole and sees that the first segment is presently on Serenus Minima. At least it is for a moment before the coordinates change to new ones. Rebos, 116 parsecs away. Um, I love his. I love how insulted he is that she's put a hole in his TARDIS. <laughs> I think he's super mean to her oh he is super mean to her i just thought it was very funny when he was like how dare you put a, <laughs> a usb port in my tardis how could you do this to me don't worry this essential thing for an essential mili- uh, mission to save the universe yeah no he's 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 mean to her in this and it did put me off him a little bit once again uh, because she is so beautiful and so competent, and she had a triple first from the academy uh, rather than what was it scraping through with fifty one percent on the second try. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks so offended. <clears throat> he does. And to be fair, you know, you don't have to be academic. Ac- <sighs> you can tell I'm not very academically minded today. <laughs> you don't have to be academically minded. It's just funny that the doctor is attempting to have a sense of superiority about it. Attempting is the right word there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so it was on Serenus Minima, and now it's on Rebos. My thing is, is it that it moved, or is it that they just switched which one was closest? I didn't quite understand. And it's never mentioned again, so... There's a whole thing where is like, are you going to have to look up where that is? And he's like, I know where it is. Um, he hasn't looked... Like, he threw the TARDIS manual into the time void, presumably. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Rebos, Garen and Unstoff our, our double act, our Del Boy and Rodney. Is Rodney the other character in Only Fools and Horses? Yes. Good. Yeah, I, I think, I hope so, otherwise I've just, uh, yeah. somebody's Please yelling into their us. podcast app. cancel us just for this. Um, Garen and Unstoff <laughs> are atop a parapet of the Castle of Shur that houses the planet's crown jewels. This looks terrible. It's snowing. <laughs> but is it actually just polystyrene package filling? It's a polystyrene castle with polystyrene package filling and there's like a trap door. Um and you look and it says um as as guards in the vault extinguish the lights and secure the room, Unstoff drops a trunk of drugged meat into the chamber, then lowers a ladder. So you see this creature's paws like scrabbling under a grate or whatever. And they reuse the clip later for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um and they 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 go into this room Unstoff climbs down. He's like the younger, um, fresh-faced of the two. Uh, he steps off the ladder next to the sh- sleeping Shrivenzale, um, which yeah. is a name that means nothing. <laughs> they may as well have called it a dragon, because that's what it is. Um, uh, working quickly but quietly, he cuts a hole in the glass case housing the valuable jewels, which is literally just like the Tower of London's crown jewels thing, but cheaper. <laughs> It's quite unimaginative design. It's very unimaginative, especially because their outfits are like, you know, Mongol or steppe culture or something. I I didn't even get that far with it. I was just like, well, it's snowing and cold, therefore they have gone for generic fur. 
They look like, um, this is a very specific cultural reference, they look like the outfits that the Tsar and his family wear in the stop-motion animation The Fool of the World and the Flying Ship. You're right, that's incredibly niche. Which which I had on VHS as a child, it's been written <laughs> by David Suchet, I tried to show it to some year twos recently and I was far more interested than they were, but you know, swings and roundabouts, sometimes I just want to watch <laughs> Fool of the World and the Flying Ship, it's what Baron Munchausen is based on a little bit. Oh, that's a weird film. Yeah, like all the fake stories that he tells about like running like a million miles in 30 seconds, same thing, but you know better because it's not <laughs> what is going on in Baron Munchausen anyway <laughs> um, then rather than steal anything he places in a large piece of Jethric a precious blue stone and the rarest and most valued mineral in the galaxy I swear every cereal there's a new most valued mineral in the galaxy and surely if you have different cultures across different planets across an entire galaxy What's most valued is not consistent. Yeah, it's most valued here because it's a uh, fuel of some kind, mm. as they mention later. But like, Thesium was a fuel. In I was just editing the Mutant set. We just released it <laughs> when we were recording this. Um, God, I really hope we go weekly at some point. Oh, these are going to be so anachronistic. <laughs> I, I quite like the chaotic energy of it. Yeah, yeah. They'll go, when did you record this? Rosie is still talking about <laughs> I don't know, drinking water. Like, they didn't go through the big water scandal <laughs> of August 2021. Don't tempt fate. Right, uh, Garen leaves to meet the Graf Decay, an exiled tyrant. Shortly after they make their introductions and leave, the Doctor's TARDIS materialises and the two Time Lords emerge. So Garen is doing, he, he's doing a fake RP voice as, like, the the liaison with Graf Decay. Um, I think Graffin Decay is probably the best guest actor in the episode. He's really good, just at being, you know, megalomaniacal. I looked it up. Yeah. He hasn't he hasn't acted basically since this. He's been a television director the entire time. This was his last oh. great performance, and it was it was good. Yeah, I just didn't I just love, enjoy him in it. Didn't love any of the accents going on in this story. No, oh my god. I mean, we'll get to it, won't we? <laughs> We've got to. As the Doctor is instructing Romana on the value of always expecting the unexpected, he is unexpectedly caught in a net. (laughs) Which is so... Tom Baker's Doctor Who in particular. Yeah, it really is. Um, I liked the bit where he said, I'm going to call you Romana, and she was like, I don't like it. And he was like, it's Romana or Fred. I was like... (laughs) What my dad calls me. He can't remember my name, so he calls me Fred. Yeah, fair enough, I suppose. But yeah, he gets caught in this net... And Romana is obviously delighted by it because he's been a prick to her for the entire episode. Is um, she in her incredible yes. white fur? Yes, she's <sighs> added. She's added the white fur gilet. <laughs> it's incredible. It's An so icon, good. A style icon. And her her sandals, the like knee high silver sandals. Oh my god! I want Powerful. her to step on me so bad. <laughs> girl boss, girl boss. <laughs> She's just so good. I love her. I'm sure the girl boss meme will be over by the time this is out. It's retro now. Um, (laughs) Welcome to our vintage podcast about vintage. Yeah. Yes. Um, The Graf is impressed by the planet's supposed quantity of Jethric. Garen uses a bug in the Graf's chamber to monitor his conversation with Sholak, the Graf's loyal aide, but he is interrupted by the Doctor and Romana in the passageway. 
He affects the manner of a watchman to make his escape, calling out, Four o'clock and all's well, as he walks away. But the Doctor is puzzled by the fact that he does it with a Somerset accent. That wasn't my attempt at a Somerset accent, it was an attempt at the jocularity of the of the thing. Um, <laughs> the comment about the Somerset accent. Yeah, and he says, they do, what is it? He says, they do need a new leg spinner or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, how does he know about Gloucestershire, Somerset County cricket or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. Like, um, my parents live in Somerset. Um, I've lived in the Southwest my whole life. I do not know anything about this, the Somerset County cricket team. <laughs> Um, I know that they recently built some massive light reflectors that are an eyesore, but other than that... The the only thing that I could think of was this was there are other aliens we meet who have regional accents, and this, I think, is the only time. Yeah. It's a very, like, but that's on Earth. Hang on, this time I'm going to look at when the translation circuit became an established piece of canon. (laughs) Like is Educators. he distinguishing? Is he distinguishing between like does he can he sense when something is being translated versus when it isn't? In his third incarnation, the Doctor knew the eyebrow language of the Delphon, but did not understand chicken or Polari. <laughs> um, I think that's inconsistent with the Third Doctor's canon of being like you know just he would definitely know Polari, right? <laughs> yeah, he's very much in. There's nothing he can't do. Or nothing yes. he wants to admit he can't do. Yes, he is a, he's a bi-legend, and I think that he would know Polari. That's just my thought. Is it? Are we really that surprised that a show that started airing in the 60s is not consistent with itself? Apparently, in Four to Doomsday, Tegan is able to speak an a, a Aboriginal dialect that the TARDIS can't translate, which is such a weird, weirdly specific thing. Oh my god. Yeah. That's, not, that's not great. There's a lot more issues where things can't be translated. I guess there's no consistency within that. Uh, oh, apparently in the Time Monster it gets mentioned. So there you go, Third Doctor. <laughs> we found it. It was the Time Monster. And I can cut <laughs> everything before this out and we'll sound so smart. I right. think the Time uh, Monster was another Robert Holmes story. Uh, no, he did the Time Warrior, no, it's not. I think. Warrior, that's it, that's what I'm going. Yeah, Time Monster is coming up because <laughs> I had to copy and paste <laughs> the summary into our Google Doc today. Oh that's my nice. god. <laughs> oh dear. A lot. Well, it sounds, it's six episodes and it sounds mental. So it could be great or it could be terrible. We shall find out. Okay. But yeah, I'm so he's, he says this thing with a Somerset accent, um, and it does sound like he's trying to sing Combine Harvester or something. Um, yeah, but, you know. it's it's comic. I think I would have preferred he start singing Combine Harvester. Actually, I don't think it was out that at this point. Would but be it's a time funny. Show. That would <laughs> that would give a, give a laugh to the show. <laughs> I've got a brand new Combine Harvester, and I'll give you the key. That's about a Somerset accent. There you go. <laughs> There's your example. <laughs> Come on, let's live together in perfect harmony. Um, Beautiful. Oh no, no, it's oh no. You're now oh, cursed no. for the next week. I'm cursed for the next week. It's fine. I'll just watch Transplant again. Um, <laughs> the locator points the Doctor and Romana to the chamber containing the Jethric and the crown jewels of Rebos. As the Doctor tries to open the locks to retrieve the segment, Unstoff joins one of the guards atop the tower and gives him a drink, which conveniently knocks him out. Unstoff blows the guard's horn, and the guards below lower the door to the Shrivenzale's chamber, trapping the Doctor and Romana with the waking beast. The Shrivenzale does look great. It has, like, big glass eyes that blink. Um, looks kind of like a baby dragon. I want to I wanna give it a hug. What can I say? I would agree. Um, I, d- I also think that 
this particular episode in itself as a setup episode, it's not bad. Yeah, no, it's 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 fine. Um, sorry, it's, it's not great, but it's yeah. it's not dire. Sorry, I've looked up pictures of the Strivenzel, and now I'm like, it doesn't look as cute in these pictures. Just believe me when I say that it's cute, people. <laughs> Don't watch the Rebus operation. But I don't know. It's like I'm it's just a pretty good to setup my memory. It's a pretty good setup. It episode. is like. It, it sets up the whole key to time thing, so now we don't necessarily need to bring it up every time for all the series. And it mm-hmm. puts all the stakes in place. It's just as I was watching it, I was like, how is this going to be four episodes? Because it feels like something that could resolve very quickly, right? Like, I these think this is the sort of thing that would fit really person. nicely into the 45-minute format. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, just just the... It, it just feels... Like, not this episode, but the other episodes feel very slow. You're like, can we just get to the point where we reveal that there's a con going on? We don't need this subplot about Binro, the astronomer. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so, you know, it was a promising start. I watched this episode yesterday, and then I had to go to bed because I was tired. (laughs) Um, And then this morning I woke up and watched it all on my phone while lying down. So, you know. That's comfortable. Yeah. I watched it several days ago so my memory is quite foggy about it now that's fair that's fair but yes episode two yes episode two the guards operating the door notice the obstruction and fearing harm to the shriven shrivenzel lifts it again freeing the time lords it's hard to the say the door is soon it? closed <laughs> hmm? it's it's hard to say shrivenzel shrivenzel like i I don't. It's not based on any like creature that I can think of, and it's a fun name. But God, it's hard to. It sounds like the name of like a hamlet in the middle of the Yorkshire Moors. Yeah, yeah. I think later on they refer to some people as Shreves, so it might even be that it's a word referring to the role that the monster has, and not the name of huh. the, the name of the monster. But there we are. The door is soon closed, keeping the shriven sail at bay. The Doctor and Romana hide when the guards enter the room, followed by Garen, who asks for a substantial sum of money to be kept there for protection. The Doctor is concerned he may also be after the segment. Fair concern? Yeah, the, I mean, he, he he was warned that there might be other people looking for the key to time. Um, yeah. it's, sorry, it's just a fun thing to say, the key to time. I'm really beginning to appreciate it. Well, <laughs> it's a nice MacGuffin. It is a lovely MacGuffin. It would have been nice if it was something that was foreshadowed a bit more or referred to previously. Foreshadowing? In Doctor Who? (laughs) I love a little bit of foreshadowing, but what I love even more is throwaway lines that they do something with later on and then it becomes foreshadowing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's the entire of RTD's era of Doctor Who. (laughs) Yep. He created a whole spin-off that got four seasons. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. (sighs) classic the mon- words yeah. the money will of course be the graf vindica will the money will of course be the graf vindica's deposit for his purchase of the planet which he intends to use as a base to build an army and a battle fleet aim the graf is aim is his name like a pun on vindicate because he's trying to to get to to be vindicated in his desire to reclaim his throne <laughs> This is an audio medium, but I have a very stony look on my face right now. <laughs> but is it? <laughs> like, why else would his name be Vindicay? For the record, listeners, it's it's Vinda, spelled however you think, hyphen, and then the letter K, like a capital K, and that's his name. 
And it doesn't fit with any of the other naming conventions we see in this episode. Maybe you're right. Oh, and I love Maybe it. it's a pun. <laughs> Maybe it is. Thank you, Robert. You would have. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Um, the Graf is intrigued when Unstoff, pretending to be a native of Rebos, concocts a tale about a lost <laughs> mine containing an excess of Jethric. <laughs> Sorry. It's the best part of the episode. <laughs> Go on. Sorry, they they point at the Jethric and the thing, and Garen like goes, "Oh, well, that's just some 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 rock that the the natives here use." And he points to other stuff, and other stuff is like, "Oh yeah, that there would be scrimstone." Scrimstone. You hang it around your neck, and the scrim will never get to you. No, no scringe will get to you. Me old dad died looking for that old lost mine of his with this clutched in his And if only he'd had the scrimstone, then he wouldn't have died because the scringes what got him. It was so funny. And like, It was whole... a bright start in quite a dull <laughs> negotiation scene. Yeah, like, thank God for Unstoff's actor. He was great. He went on to be a, a pretty prolific puppet performer in different things. He was in Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, I love when people chase their joy. Yeah, and he was in uh, t- 2000's either remake or parody of Pipkins as the hair. Um, Pipkins being the horrifying like 70s puppet show where a really demented looking monkey like <laughs> looks up at the human host and goes, Are we all going to die? I've never heard of this, but it sounds like something I'd like. It's, it's one of those things that always turns up on like, 10 most fucked up British TV shows, which I love to read, obviously. I love yeah. reading and watching listicles. Um, it's it's what I'm gonna send you a picture. Pipkin, <laughs> that's from a remake. That's not the original. Uh, this is Hartley Hare. Um, this is why I have to spend so long editing because we I just love tangent. <laughs> yeah, that's the oh hair. my where's, god. Where's the monkey called like t- t- So th- this hair sort of looks. None of its features are in the right place. It looks mm. like it's made of a disused cart- curtain. And its teeth are nightmarish. Yeah, it's it's a bad look. Right, Pipkit, Pipkins, what the fuck? Top of, top of the monkey. All of, there's the, there's the image. Because all the other images are from like the remake that's like, like normal-ish. And <laughs> then you've got- Comparatively. Imagine this, this monkey looking up at a man and going, are you going to die one day? That monkey is horrifying. Yeah. Nothing, no, it's, it's, it's th- this is the monkey haunting the audio track. <laughs> That's is... what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. This is one that cursed the production of Rebus, so they had to film in a church hall or something. God, <laughs> the set design is it, it it just feels so cramped. Like the ceilings yeah. are so low and the corridors are narrow. And man, yeah, it's not. <sighs> it doesn't look like a pleasant place to be. It does not. Ugh. Back in the story, yeah, um, <laughs> away from Pip the graph. <laughs> so, I mean, is the he here graph or unstock? Uh, I, think I think it's, it's graph because it's about the money. Yeah, the graph sends Sholak for his money, then discovers the bug planted in his chamber. He realizes that Garen is trying to con him. Gas. <gasps> Later, Unstoff distracts the Strivensail, recovers their piece of Jethric and takes the money from the safe. By now, the Doctor has realised that the piece of Jethric is the segment. 
He also tries to take it, but the guards are alerted, prompting him to escape using Unstoff's route, while Unstoff bolts through the door with the Jethric. However, an angry Graf, who intends to kill them for deceiving him, intercepts the Doctor, Romana, and Garen. He orders their execution on the spot. Yeah, they arrest- and that's it, that's the episode. Yeah, they arrest Garen on the roof, don't they? Um, he's like, it's a fair mm. cop. <laughs> yeah. I really he was fu- he he was obviously giving his heart and soul yeah, into the action. This is of the this. thing with it. There's lots of bits of it that I like, but when I look back on the whole, I'm like, what a pointless ninety minutes of my life. I'm never gonna get back. I could have yeah. been watching Transplant. You could have been watching Transplant. You <laughs> watched Transplant watching... anyway. Yeah, no, I did. That's true. Um, I also could have been watching Nine One One because I'm not caught up on it this week. Unbelievably, <laughs> I know. Um, How would you let that happen? I. Honestly, it's because the site I was using has started having the stupid pop-up ads and I can't be bothered to find a new Ooh. one. I only reason I wrote Transplant is it's on Now TV. Um, and also because I thought it looked good and it was. So, you know, vindicate, vin- vindicate. Vindicate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they, Romana is very sexy arresting Garrett. I just want to mention that whenever Romana is on, is, is on screen, I'm like, oh, there she is. That's my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yep, uh, it's uh, the, the, my enjoyment increases massively. Yes, he's just great. <laughs> I also like all the times they're just hiding in different places in the 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 jewel room, the tre- the treasure room, the mm. uh, what what was tre- tre- treasury? Is that the word? The only reference I have for this is the bit in Prince Caspian when they go back to get Paraval and they're like exploring <laughs> the ruins of the castle. <laughs> so I don't know. See, what I'm you thinking about um. The Tower of London. Yeah, no, me too, but I don't know what it's called. The Jewel Room? No. <laughs> the, ju- the, the Jewelry. The, 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 the pretty things say. <laughs> room with jewels in. Please, Doug, Doug, yeah. go, tell don't me. Don't steal. <laughs> it's all about decorating your home with jewel tones. That's not what I want. <laughs> anyway. Oh, shit, I have the crown jewels. Hang on, where are they kept? Tell me where they're kept, damn it. Jewel House. <laughs> the jewel house the i've jewel never heard house. that in my life and i will never refer to it as anything else it's a really good name um yeah maybe i'll start to refer to my house as the jewel house because i am a treasure you are a treasure a sparkling hoard of diamonds i like there's that bit where they're both <laughs> hiding behind these like screens on either side of the door and at one point a guard goes and turns towards romana doesn't see her <laughs> because I was waiting for them to get discovered and then they just walk out while everyone is distracted. <laughs> Rolled a crit success on Sneaky. Absolutely. Oh my god, I'm playing D&D again tomorrow. Very exciting. Nice. Uh, I love d and Yes, I get to keep playing my Scottish dwarf boy. Yes. I explained that the accent would fluctuate because he's from different parts of the mountain. <laughs> um, oh my god. Perfect. But yeah, I feel like the first two episodes are like fine, but you get to the end of episode two and you're like, okay, but isn't that like the end of the story? Like, surely there's only one more, right? Um, and like, not very much happened. Like, no. not much I mean, it's three happens. bullet points in our summary. Yeah. The thing is that the best thing that happens in the episode is the the tale about a lost mine, and that's one sentence of the summary. <laughs> um, I mean, it is somehow more interesting than the Lost Mines of Pandalva campaign to bring it back to D anD. d the lost, the lost minds of. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce anything. Two we're hours of fun. my life. We're doing the fir- We're doing the first adventure zone one. 
Is that Fandolin? That's the one. Yeah, that's that's Fandelver. Lost Mines of Fandelver. Ah, we had a great time because we uh, skipped. We we didn't follow the goblin that escaped. We just went to the town. (laughs) We were like, "What? Where's Where's Cinder?" I guess it does depend on your group. I ran it with a group of people. I'm like, this is not fun for us. Yeah, we we had a great time. We went to the shop. Nice. Um, (laughs) Someone was like, there's like 15, 20 bandits up there. We were like, okay, let's go and follow that goblin. (laughs) Of course you did. We're given two choices. You choose goblin. Yeah, right. Episode three uh, (laughs) of the reboss operation. Distracted momentarily by the doctor and advised by Sholak to remember the money stolen, the Graf instead takes Garen prisoner with his presumed accomplices, the doctor and Romana. Yeah, so the money is... A deposit for buying the entire planet, which is Garen is doing like the pretending you have something and selling it scam. He later mm-hmm. reveals that he did once sell Sydney Harbour. Um, like it's um, that, that was Australian because the character was originally meant to be Australian. Oh, mm. see, I just know that that's like happened where people like try to buy the Eiffel Tower. I feel like this might have been a thing that was more commonly happening in the 1980s. I don't know, 1970s and 80s, probably. Um, but yeah, so they're like, oh, we need 10 million Olmecs or whatever they're called. And he goes, oh, okay, um, we can probably scrape that together in there, but we need a deposit of 2 million Olmecs. <laughs> I don't remember what the money's called. Which I think is a lot. It, it sounds like a lot because like they're talking about a million as being like set up for life. Like you can pay for... like, And the Jethric is meant to be like unimaginably valuable. Mm. Um, because... The reason, like, they're like, oh, this, there's no way this Jethric mine thing is true. Like, they, they twig pretty quickly, but they do acknowledge that the Jethric is super valuable, which is why they're inquiring about mining anyway. Mm-hmm. But Rebos is a class three planet <laughs> because all of these local peasantry feel that yeah. the world is flat, and if you walk far enough, you'll fall off. Uh. <coughs> there's some. Let's let's say there's some iffy class stuff in this, and we'll come back to it. Yeah, uncomfortable. Um, where was he? Uh, the graph can <laughs> the graph confronts the Shreve captain to see what is being done. Noticing the Jethric is gone as well, he discovers the Scringe Stone tale is a lie. Meanwhile, Sholak can- discovers Gasp. that Garen. <laughs> yeah, <gasps> no way. <laughs> Who um, could have seen this coming? Nobody, nobody. Um. Meanwhile, Sherlock discovers that Garen has an accomplice when his communicator begins beeping. After Sherlock leaves, the Doctor uses his dog whistle to summon K-9. I love So K- cute. And he opens the TARDIS door and he goes, Master? Like, so good. That's my little dog. My Best puppy. dog. We, oh my god, I love K-9. I, like, <laughs> I always loved K-9 even as a child. Like, I saw K-9 once and I was like, that's my favourite dog. And now, That's my boy. And, like, not having seen a serial in which he is, like, a major player until we watched Naimon, I was like, oh, he's still my little, my little dog. <laughs> I, I just adore him. Whenever he shows up, I'm like, yes, boy, trundle. Trundle your way around. Anyway. An incredible um, piece of pup. <laughs> He is, and he's the second one. I have to assume that means that the Doctor built him in between serials. Because he missed K-9-1, because like, he, didn't he the, cares. He didn't build the first one, did he? He got it at that lighthouse. I might be making that yep. up. Um, I'm so he got, good he got at it Doctor somewhere. Who. I'm so good at Doctor <laughs> Who. My party trick used to be listing all the companions in order. Um, that was fun. <laughs> I could probably you say used to be. I could probably still do it. <laughs> but maybe after we've recorded. I'm not surprised <laughs> 
Um, Unstuff hides with Binro, a homeless outcast who believes that Rybot... Done it again. Who believes that Reboss is a planet orbiting a star, which Unstuff confirms to be true. This is cute but pointless. Um, like I like Binro. Yeah, like Binro's whole thing, cute but pointless. But pointless. <laughs> Does it's almost like they knew they needed something else in the story to flesh it up to time. Yeah, and it's and like, this is what they came up with. I don't know. I like Binro. <laughs> Would have preferred it be a three-episode serial. <laughs> yes, um, by far. But yeah, the Reboss guards summon the Seeker, who- I, I love the Seeker, it's our second woman of the two-woman serial, who locates Unstuff's hideout. Um, she's doing a whole thing, her makeup is incredible, she's got, like, antlers. <laughs> like It's very much what you'd expect from a very traditional portrayal of, like, a Wiccan- I was, I was thinking like druidic to be honest yeah it's it's it feels very like i am at one i think that's the word nature. i was looking for and couldn't find it yeah yeah, yeah. it's because uh, the short trip has some very minor druidic elements very yeah, exciting nice. um but yeah i i like the design i like that she does inexplicably manage to know where unstuff is every time they don't explain mm-hmm. that at all and yet she does and yet she does um the guards prepare a pre-dawn raid. The Graf has other plans and orders Sherlock to rally his men, go in to massacre all the Robosians, take the Jethric, and leave. The Graf is like, he's... When do they explain that he was, like, a horrible, horrible person? Like, is that around here? Um, I never liked him in the first place, so... Well, no, but they, like... Because his, his story is that when he was off in battle, having his glorious fights, his brother usurped him. But what actually happened mm. is that he took the throne, rallied a bunch of money and people, and went off to, like, slaughter worlds all across the galaxy. Yeah, um, which is not a good look. Yeah, it's kind of like a Richard Lionheart situation. <laughs> where he's like, I am sick of this country, I am going to fight in the Crusades, goodbye. Um, that was my Richard Lionheart impression. <laughs> Very accurate. Thank you, it was based on uh, Matt Bainton in Horrible Histories. Uh, Actual degree- accurate yeah. storytelling. I love Horrible yeah. Histories. We should start a Horrible Histories podcast. We should. I've got one degree of separation from Matt Bainton because I taught his niece last year. Nice. <clears throat> um, I did not twig because I didn't know what her last name was. She was like, oh, my uncle was in Horrible Histories. And I was like, oh, what's his name? And she went, Matthew. And I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were on a school trip. <laughs> I was just sat there eating Cute. my sandwiches. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't freak out about this. <laughs> I can't acknowledge that I know the Tumblr fandom that your uncle has. <laughs> um, of course, there's a Tumblr fandom. Yeah, called Bainternets, like bayonets. But oh my god, it's perfect. I don't know. I don't know if they're still called that. This was about eight years ago. <laughs> right. Um, done. Using the listening device in the Graf's room, Garen warns Unstoff about the Graf. While the Seeker and the Graf are in the concourse, Binro, thankful for Unstoff's encouragement, leads him to the lat. La- Leads him to the labyrinthine catacombs under the city. So this listening device, they like integrate it with Garen's radio that got broken. So it's like a wrist-mounted one-way communicator. Mm. I I like the concept. I'm just kind of like, again, this feels like something that didn't need to take like three or four minutes of an episode. It feels like padding. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it feels like... like They had to write six key to time stories. <laughs> and they were like... Okay, so where's the first one? They go, oh, it's in a jewellery case. Okay, so why can't the Doctor just smash the glass and take it? And they go, oh, um, 
would have come up with three episodes of obstacles reasons. on that one. Yeah, and then they don't even use the lovely big puppet, and it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> I know it's... sort of wonder yeah. if there was a very different draft that was changed very soon to production. Maybe. I mean, it's not like Rob Bettine made the puppet. Sorry, I'm still on this puppet. It's not like Rob Bettine made it, but it's a good puppet. <laughs> um, like... This puppet deserves better. Yes, it it does. A very sweet puppet. Uh... Maybe they could have got the guy playing Unstoff to do it since he became a Muppet performer. <laughs> Maybe. Um, In another world. Yeah. Canine helps the Doctor, Amana, and Garen escape from the Graf's quarters. Yeah, when they're all in the quarters, this is when um, the Doctor asks Garen about the Somerset accent thing. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm from Earth. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why I had a Somerset accent. It's like, we didn't need an explanation. You could have just let it be and let it be silly. Also, he says he's... So- he sold an Arab Sydney Harbour for $50 million. And you're like, oh, great. That's a necessary detail about this story. <laughs> um, but there we are. So. And it's still going. It's, st- it's still going. Um, the Graf and his men enter the catacombs without the Rebos guards, who fear the place as the home of the ice gods. Binro and Unstoff don't fear the ice gods, knowing they are mythical, but they do fear the nest of Shrivenzales they hear in the distance. The Doctor's group <laughs> is not far behind them, but they are forced to hide when the Graf's party comes upon them. Unfortunately, the Doctor gives away their presence when a skull falls to the floor. Now, I think I was eating Weetabix while this scene was on, so I don't remember it. <laughs> Um, I watched it nearly a week ago. My memory yeah. is also short. If I'm having less commentary than usual, it's just because I didn't it's, have time to rewatch it before. It's dawn. fine, mate. I'm not going to expect you to rewatch the reboss operation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just didn't have it in me. Yeah. I think uh, this is referencing um, the planet has like really long seasons. Like, I can't remember exactly how long, but like years long seasons called Ice Time and Sun Time. And they are currently in Ice Time. Which is why it's snowing and they're all wearing big furry coats and flat hats. Similar to the really long seasons in The Mutants, yeah. which is a much better episode. It certainly is. Let's turn this into a musical podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Professing Polarity, the musical. <laughs> I mean, we've done it a couple of times. I've got my guitar right behind me. Uh, We're all set. Sounds awful. I did tune it, but it's old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, I mean, this is just a nothing episode. It's a, it's a nothing happens. <laughs> None no, of the stakes change. They all sit around talking. Unstoff goes to the catacombs and then he leaves the catacombs and he brings Binroy with him. <sighs> I am shaking my head. Yeah, it's just there we are. Let's go to the last episode. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> episode four. The noise of the skull also draws the attention of a Shrivenzel, scattering the Graf's men. Reflecting on the difficulty of finding their quarry, Sholak advises the Graf to use the Seeker as her earlier information was accurate. I love Sholak's aesthetic in this. He's got, like, an eye scar and he's just old and grizzled. He is quite good casting, I think, for this particular role. Uh, Yes. Very gruff. And I I think that he and Graf are gay, actually. (laughs) That's That's my perspective. Where are you getting this from? Uh, well, I'm sure we'll get to it in about ten minutes of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) The Doctor sends the rest of his group ahead and doubles back to the city. Farther down in the catacombs, Ustoff and Binro split up, the latter also doubling back to see if he can determine Garen's fate. Unstoff gives Binro his his communicator to demonstrate to Garen that it isn't a trick of any sort. At the entrance to the catacombs, the impatient Graf kills one of the guard's men in front of the Shreve captain to convey his displeasure with being made to wait for the Seeker. 
Not not a good move. No. Murder bad, actually. Murder bad. I really like the armor that Graf's personal guard have because they look like the knights who say nih. Um, <laughs> they do. And they've got extra... Some of them have extra slits in the metal for like their eyebrows. <laughs> and I swear once I could see a nose through one of the eye holes. And I'm like, are these helmets well That's... fitted? <laughs> That's not how faces generally work. No, I think there might have been Picasso painting under there, you know. You never know with Doctor That That would be such a great, like, alien. If only they would spend the money on it. <laughs> big, I would say Big Finish Harris, please, but then it would be like, Doctor, what is it? His eyes, they're in the wrong places. <laughs> Sorry. Well, why is his nose so circular? I love Big Finish, but there are limitations to the medium. <laughs> mm. After witnessing this display of ruthlessness from a hiding place... The doctor returns to the Graf's chambers. There, he stands over the fallen soldier whom K9 had earlier incapacitated because he is a good laser. boy. Uh, he's a good boy. Yes. I would love a nose laser. I don't think I would because I'm so sniffly. I'd just be dripping lasers. Oh, Not good. That's true. I would just. You, quite I'm like sure you would rock people. one though. <laughs> yeah. You're Thank like, you. You tap your nose and you're like, you know what's going to happen if you cross me? <laughs> We're going to fucking Rudolph Town. <laughs> That should be the name of this episode. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <sighs> That's good. I'm not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Garen uh. steals the locator from Romana and heads off to locate the Jethric and Unstoff in that order. The Seeker, meanwhile, foresees that if they enter the catacombs, all but one of the party will die. Nevertheless, she leads the Graf and his men into the catacombs. Oh, they man. encounter Binro, whom they mistake for a grave robber. Seeing he has Unstoff's communicator, they take him with them to assist in finding Unstoff. They proceed deeper. As they head off, <laughs> the tail of a scarf peeks out from the robe of the last guard in line. Wow, who could it be? No idea. What a mystery. Yeah, Binro graf- is like caught and he says he's collecting like fossils or something. Yeah. And it's Maybe like, he is. Yeah, Binro's whole thing, he's called Binro the Heretic. I think because he believes that the 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 Earth is or the the planet is round, um, and that the stars are other uh, stars and stuff. And I'm like, I kind of get it. I'm not sure why the people wouldn't have just killed him. Like, didn't people get executed for that? Um, people got executed for less. Yeah, people got executed for like being women. So we can't. Mm. <laughs> like, why does he get to live for being a heretic? Because he's not a woman. Yeah, there we go. Ah, the God. patriarchy. The patriarchy. Even on Rebos, mm. where there's no I feel women. like especially on Rebos. <laughs> it's another no-women planet. I, like, I didn't spot any aside from the Seeker. Um, yeah. And the Seeker plays a very specific... Yeah, maybe it's like the Shimmerons and there's one woman. <laughs> Sorry, God. Now that we're getting oh boy, deeper and deeper into something. Classic Who, we can start referencing, <laughs> cross-referencing oh. episodes. Right. The Graf corners Unstoff and Garen. Binro try Binro runs to try to warn them and is shot dead. No. He dies content in the knowledge that he was right about his measurements of the stars. That's an extrapolation. Which I think it is quite a sweet. <laughs> I think if this is where they have the scene where like, what if you were right? What if you Yeah yeah yeah. They have that prove scene. It. It's very I think sweet. it was sweet. I just wish that he could have gone on a little TARDIS trip. Yeah, he deserves it. He does. Unstoff, upset, moves towards the Graf and is wo- wounded. 
Garen bluffs the graph by claiming the Doctor and Romana are interstellar <laughs> agents, which technically I guess they are. Yeah, who have just stumbled not across this case. The... <laughs> <laughs> who have stumbled across the graph's crimes while they were arresting Garen. This only serves to enga- this only serves to enrage the graph further. Unnoticed by all, in all of this activity is one of the graph's guards blowing a dog whistle. <laughs> who could it be? <laughs> Adding to the chaos, a shri- sh- adding to the chaos, a shriven sail draws near. It's so hard to say. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I think it's that Z in the middle. Yeah, it can't. Like Robert Holmes was writing this, and he went, "I know, shriven sail." Like, <laughs> what does it mean? What I always want to say like shri- shriven veil. I feel up. like shriven or shrive because like Shrove Tuesday. I feel like. It's a, it's there's a, there's a verb in there, but it doesn't mean anything in this word. Like, no, just call it a dragon. It's a dragon. <laughs> just let it. Let dragons be dragons. Let, it's time. Yeah, let dragons be dragons. The rebus guards use a cannon to destroy the entrance to the catacombs, causing the ceilings to collapse on Graf's men. The collapse traps Unstoff and Garen, but they are freed by K Nine because he's the best dog. He is the best. Romana reclaims the tracer that Garen stole. God. The graph notices. Do you want to expand or? Oh no! I was just thinking about when she noticed that it was gone, and she was like, "Oh, that little thief!" And I was like, "Oh, Romana, great. everything you say is perfect <laughs> to me. I love you." <laughs> the graph notices that Sholak is trapped and tries to save him, but it's too late. Aww. With the money and the piece of Jethric, the graph recalls the Seeker's prophecy that all but one of his group will die. He kills the Seeker to make sure that he will be the only one who survives. His last surviving guard, actually the Doctor in disguise, what? moves towards her as she is killed, but the graph announces that his guard will receive a more honourable death. He gives the Doctor an explosive to kill himself with. I just want to point out that the graph notices that Sherlock is trapped and tries to save him, but it's too late. It's very constructing intricate rituals. Ah, it's gay. It's gay. Um, it, there's not a lot of gay in this episode. I had to take what I could get. <laughs> I had to take two men talking to one another. <laughs> and like, I'm gay. Because there was more of that not... than two women talking to each other. Yeah, I'm I'm desperate for gay, but I'm not usually that desperate. I'm not like, you mm. know, grasping Yeah, I think it. this episode lacked a sense of camp. Yeah, so ma- I feel like most of the Fourth Doctor episodes, besides Traken, have been quite low on gay. Maybe it's yeah. the sensibilities of the time, but I don't know. Okay. Hasn't happened for all the other ones. They've all been r- rampantly Very gay, yep. <laughs> the Graf walks off into the maze, yelling for Sholak when there is an explosion. The Doctor switched the explosives for the Jethric. So he did commit murder on that one. And we just never... We don't need to address that. No, we don't. Murder like, I is get fine. It. I get it. Sometimes. Um, sometimes killing an intergalactic criminal, a war criminal, um, is easier than letting yourself get blown up. <laughs> and that's about yeah. it. After leaving the catacombs, Garen and Unstoff are free to commandeer the Graf's deserted ship, but Garen asks the Doctor whether he may hold the Jethric one last time. The Doctor lets him, and he secretly slips it into his pocket, but then seemingly gives it back to the Doctor. He, Romana, and K9 then depart in the TARDIS. Unstoff is disappointed that they've lost the Jethric, but Garen smugly tells him that he switched the Jethric for an ordinary stone. He holds his hand up, only to discover that he's holding the ordinary <laughs> stone. The Doctor switched it back. He had this whole thing about sleight of hand earlier in the episode as well, so that one mm. technically was uh, foreshadowed, so to speak. Exactly. Yep. I, I thought that was a, a, a humorous moment in an otherwise quite dry episode. Yeah. 
Garen is outraged at this and he and Ernstoff leave. In the TARDIS, Romana converts Jethric into the first piece of the key to time. The Doctor then looks at the segment and commands only five more to go. Credits. Credits. To remain in this universe, the creature would have to reverse its polarity. They did miss in this summary one really important thing. Um, oh, go on. Hypnotism. <laughs> hypnotism. Where was the hypnotism? Where was the hypnotism? He gets out a pocket watch to get one of the guards to fall asleep. He does. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> we, I can't remember what our last hypnotism was. It's been a while, I think. We've we've been on a hypnotism dry spell for a little bit. We have, and it's sad because I think that it's actually one of the core tenets of classic Who is um, hypnotism. <laughs> God, like summarizing it, it sounds fine, but watching it, oh my god, it's just so boring. (laughs) Like, I don't know, I don't know. And like, there's elements of it. It's the sort of thing where there's a lot of cool aspects to it that aren't explored interestingly. An apple a day keeps the. uh... No, never mind. I think he was good in this. Um, Tom Baker he was, was on, on his form. game, yeah. Yeah, he had some good faces, some good deliveries. I just, yep. I don't know. I, I sort of mentioned this earlier. I think I might just not jive with four a lot. <laughs> I'm watching them. I'm like, I wish this was John Pertwee. <laughs> I, I think that it's not his best story, but I think that's mostly because the story itself isn't great. Yeah, we haven't had like a really great four story yet. Like Trakan's probably and they do the, exist. Yeah, Trakan's probably the best, and he wasn't great in that one. He's better in no. this than he was in Trakan. I don't know. When we get to like City of Death, I'll get to be like, yay! I four. love City of Death. Um, I don't know. He he uh, like I said, he was fun in this. He did a bit of sneaking around. There was a lot of stuff for him to do. Um, I like your note on this one. <laughs> uh, yes, Romana diagnoses him with a massive compensation syndrome. She's very psychoanalyzing in this one. Yep, endlessly uh, so. Yeah, I don't know if it continues as a character trait. Um, I think it does, not quite to this extent. Yeah, also this is the second four serial in a row where he's talked about cricket. He talks about cricket in Naimon when they he like spanned the TARDIS off of the thing. God, mm. Nyman's so weird. I would massively rather watch Nyman than this. Nyman's fun. Nyman is enjoyable. This isn't. Yeah, I've watched like a super cut of this one where it's like the scenes that I like or like Romana being, you know, sexy. The best, um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know, like, what else to say about Four? He's just very Four in it. If you've seen any other middling Fourth Doctor story, you've probably seen Reboss in acid. Um <laughs> <coughs> I don't think he had much to do. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the stuff that he did could have been done by any other character. It wasn't really Doctor specific, yeah. besides fixing that radio, maybe. Um, yeah. I don't know. And then I just it's it's a very small scale story, but that didn't mean that it had to be so cramped and lifeless. <laughs> like, yeah, they spent all this that. like they they dragged these costumes out from wherever, and you know they attempted like some outdoor stuff, but the sets are just so. Cheap. Flimsy. Yeah. Like, particularly the Not case with the jewels. Standard. They could have done anything with that case with the jewels. They could have even gone, oh, the case, the, the, it's got a force field around it. And they would have had to, like, mine that there was a force field. Like, <laughs> and then it would be more interesting. And there wouldn't have just been a but big But why would su- there be a force field around it in a, um, <coughs> relatively, what's played oh, as a point. not but massively advanced society? How did they get such beautifully clear glass in a not massively advanced society? Much to think about. <laughs> Um, Maybe this planet has ancient aliens. I think Jean Valjean has travelled. You know, in the book, have you read the book, Lemis? 
Not for a really long time. Do, did you remember that the secret to Jean Valjean's wealth is that he develops a for, uh, a way of easily manufacturing panes of glass? No, I, I don't recall that at I th- all. I think about it a lot. It's in the Monsieur... Uh, God, what's his fake... One of his many fake names when he's the mayor of Montreux-sur-Mer. Um, he, he, he figures it out. It's a, it's a really... It's an odd book. <laughs> um, Victor Hugo I is out think there, I got like... lost somewhere in the the sewers. Yeah, I skipped the sewers. I got all the way up to when uh, Valjean exiles himself away from Marius and Cosette, and then I was too sad to continue. I was big into Lemmes <laughs> back in the day. I still have my copy of it, like you know, like three feet away or whatever. But it's next to my romance I've novels. Then somewhere. Why would I read Lemmes when I could be reading Covert Captain? <laughs> <laughs> the red covert captain no i haven't it is a regency cross-dressing romance i love it oh my god brilliant it's good i'm friends with i think the i have now. a friend who's into it yeah it's it, it rings a bell it's very good um i've also got my now signed copy of winter's orbit it's all it's all coming together <laughs> i've heard so many good things about winter's orbit it's so good you met ever Worldcon, right probably yeah I spent a lot of time tagging along after her because I was like, I'm a lost little puppy, Ev. Please look after me. <laughs> um. I have to go. Now look, if you're going to be in trouble, you'll need me to look after you. Me too. But you right. don't understand. Let's start with the best dog. Canine! The best of dogs. My little, my little puppy. I love him. <laughs> little, little boy. Him and, Ramon, yeah, him and Ramona's double act is also good. As already mentioned, the bit where the doctor is suggesting going on holiday and he goes, affirmative, affirmative, affirmative. Oh, it's so cute. He just wants little a holiday as a treat and he deserves it. And he's not going to get it for ages. That's much like us right now. Yeah. It's like, this should feel like being on holiday, but it does not. <laughs> no. Also, Something when Ram- about the pedal. Yeah, also when Romana is talking to herself and he goes, the purpose of speech is to communicate information. <laughs> I don't know. They've, oh, they, they've got a, a lovely little dog who doesn't understand humanity and I, I simply adore him. I really need to get on I, making oh, yeah. that cuddly one so I can cuddle canine forever. But first I have yes. to buy my, first I have to get my blush. <laughs> um, also an incredibly important essential for any household. Yes. Um, I don't know where I'm going to keep him, besides on my bed, obviously. Yeah, I already have pass next to the sofa. I already have my son, Danny the monkey, who I rescued. <laughs> um, he just sits in the corner of my room, because if I keep him on my bed, I end up uh, suffocating. <laughs> it's not even that heavy, I just, I cuddle him and I end up inhaling fur all night. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, I just, he's a very sensitive machine, he has a nose laser, which we've already established is something we would both mm. want. Um... I just love him. I love the little buttons on his back that have no purpose. I love his little tail aerial. <laughs> I like his ear aerials. I like his little voice. Yes, John Leeson, the best canine. Mm. <clears throat> the, the 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 canine that reigns supreme. God, I wish they'd bring canine back in the new series. They're just too too ca- Hey, hey Chris Chibnall. Hey Chris Chibnall. The people want the people want canine. Yeah, we'll rescind your status as enemy of the podcast if you do one of these things. Lesbians. Hire us. Lesbians. Lesbians. Uh, no John Bishop. No John... Fire John Bishop. Get Chameleon back on and get canine and have a robot TARDIS. <laughs> any character... Reveal... Oh, yeah. Reveal any... 13 maybe, and Yaz yeah. as lesbians yes. with their robot family. Yeah. Reveal any character that already exists as Chameleon and we would believe you. 
I mean, I really hope that John Bishop is playing Chameleon. That would be really funny, and it would be an incredible... That would be a good turn of events. It would be a good twist. I don't know. Man, just... <sighs> Let's talk about Romana, because this is our first Romana 1 serial. It's her first serial, and oh my god, out of the gate, she is perfect. She is oh. on point. She's so so quick and snarky and yeah. beautiful and yeah i started writing my notes i think about halfway through episode one and my first note is just oh my god she's so sexy with like 10 exclamation marks <laughs> and you're correct and, and you should correct. say it her outfit is perfect her voice her sarcasm the psychoanalysis i want her to step on me in her sandals girl boss <laughs> she's a girl boss I gatekeep love love the way that she has such friction with the doctor i think that's yeah. one of the fun things to watch about the two of them yeah. together it's a good dynamic because like she's really intelligent and she wants to respect the doctor but he has given her nothing to respect yeah she's not like i'm 140 years old you know <clears throat> i love her she's like sure maybe you become more forgetful as the centuries pile on and she makes fun <laughs> of him for forgetting how old he is because he says he's what 746 and she says 749 how would she Less know <laughs> linear time she, she's probably read his file linear time is meaningless so the 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 time lord's keeping track of his personal timeline very odd I, I mean to be fair i've never understood how all the timeline stuff works i don't have a, a i'm not really jeremy burying it you know like i don't get it that's fair there's, there's probably several explanations probably and we'll get to them as 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 they appear you've noted about her hairpiece it's just it's all good it's um, so beautiful it's like it's it's not quite a tiara but it's very regal yeah and i liked it i also liked when she was standing around brushing her hair with her silver hairbrush and mirror set <sighs> amazing icon she's just so um, good like oh also is this an instance where a companion could accurately be referred to as a colleague oh definitely both her and romana too i think um mm. It's, and by the time we get to Romana 2, they have a friendship. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously it's a different dynamic, but yeah, mm. definitely colleague in this. I hear that by the end, she ends up a bit more in a companion role, like, you know, handing things. Yeah, they, but... they warm to each other. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in this one, she's definitely, I would say, not necessarily on equal footing, but she deserves to be on equal footing, and the Doctor is just mean to her. You're like, stop being a misogynist, Doctor. <laughs> yep. God. But uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's perfect. I'm sure we'll talk more about it uh, later on when we make our stop off in Wife City. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we we can go for that. On your knees, Doctor. For for an episode that could have had so much gay potential, there was shockingly small amounts of gay. Yeah, really very low quantities. Like I like. Ugh. Even the aesthetic was like half baked in its own way. Like I liked the furs yeah. and stuff and the gold and the what have you, but no it one It didn't was portray like, a sense of place. No very one well. was doing like you should see me in a crown. Like no one put on any of the jewellery. I just why have a big case full of jewels if no one's gonna break into it and wear all of the jewellery? Um I do not know. But yeah, so we've talked a bit about Sherlock and Graf. I just think that clearly they're the only two people in the universe who can stand each other. <laughs> uh, which in its own way is romantic. Uh, I didn't pay too much attention to them. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like a, could be it's not like a big part the of the episode, but just I was grasping at gay straws, as mentioned. Same with, like, like oh my God, I've already forgotten their names. Hang on. <laughs> Garen and 
unstuff. Just it was just like a kind of mentor student thing that had basically no emotional component to it whatsoever. Just there, like it's Dell Boy and Rodney, but in space. Oh. Yeah, they set that up quite effectively, but again, there didn't seem to be much emotional heart to it. Yeah, I don't know. And yeah, we've already mentioned my theory about the guardians being husbands. Indeed, and the aesthetic is gay. It's you know, there's a deck chair involved. And for some reason, I always think of deck chairs as really gay. <laughs> I'm sorry to the. I'd listener. like to explore that. <laughs> How know. long have you? I just. I don't know, like, my first exposure to deck chairs was watching Old Bear and Friends, where there's that one episode where they accidentally collapse Old Bear's deck chair, and they spend the entire episode trying to figure out how to fix it, um, and accidentally turn it into a slide at one point. Um, they fold it down and hide it under the chair, like, under an armchair, <laughs> and then Old Bear yes, turns but how up. is it gay? Uh, old Bear is an elder gay, that's all I can say! <laughs> Okay. Sits, I have no idea what show you're talking about, and, but I'll believe you. Him and him and him and um, Bramble Bear are married and husbands. Um, <laughs> have you not seen Old Bear? It's perfect. It's the Jameson yeah. book series, like Jolly Tall the Giraffe and <laughs> Bramwell Brown. Pardon me, but he's he's like the Bramwell is like the one who knew Old Bear when they were younger before Old Bear got put in the attic, and he's the one who cooks. So it's like a you know it's. I <laughs> I have a very blank expression on my face. <laughs> you should watch Old Bear and Friends. It's really good. Old Bear stories. Okay. Pardon me. There's enough. It's just. It's all good. It's like stop motion animated with real toys, and it's so cute. I love it. <laughs> it sounds adorable. It sounds good. very good. It's good. Jolly Tall is a giraffe that's scared of heights, and <laughs> at one point, Bramwell is knitting, and he knits a scarf, and it gets so long that no one knows who's going to possibly be able to wear it. And then Jolly Tall turns up and his neck is long enough for the scarf. (laughs) It's so good. I will take your word for it. Anyway, (laughs) as you can tell from that digression on the gayness of deck chairs... There was not much gay in this episode. No. Also, um, deck chairs are gay now. Please, we don't make please the rules. tweet us with your opinions on whether deck chairs are gay or not. I'm specifically talking about deck chairs. If you can send us any pictures of gay deck chairs, I'm talking even about better. deck chairs with like ticking fabric, like the stripy white yeah. and red or white and blue fabric. The sort that you see in Rose on the Beach. Yes. That kind of deck chair is gay, and I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> also, if you've seen old bear stories, uh, Tell us a story, old bear. We'll all gather round, <laughs> dear old bear. Sit in your favourite chair. <laughs> I'm having a breakdown. Are you okay? I just wanted to elucidate which version of old bear I'm because I think there's an American one that's different. Um, but there uh-huh. we are. I'm googling it. We're getting diverted. Yeah, no, not We're getting diverted in the time stream, and the the White Guardian is directing us to. Do we have to go on a quest? We're going on a quest to find all six pieces of the key to Wife City. <laughs> oh sure, lots of people. And there's a woman. A woman. A woman. Hey. Yeah. Uh, this episode is just Romana. I've sort of tentatively put the Seeker on here, but she doesn't have a characterization, and she dies. So. Difficult yeah. to wife. Roma- We've already established that Romana one is in- extremely sexy. It's perfection. Like, just just like yeah. look at her. She's beautiful. Mary Tam is like gorgeous and she's so smart and like dedicated yeah. and sarcastic. Capable. Oh, she's so good. We love 
a woman who gets shit done. Yes. Oh my god. I just love her. And like, she just like slots into the dynamic so well and like, you know, carves a space for herself. I just, I just love her. When she did, she puts a hole in the TARDIS console. (laughs) She got a triple first at Gallifrey Academy. Like, she intimidates me. And I love it. Yeah, it's really good. I'm trying to figure out what a triple first means. Because I, I have to... Because, uh, right. <laughs> quick <laughs> quick shakedown on how British University Awards work. <laughs> Everything is graded from 0 to 100. However, it's extremely rare to get higher than what? Like an 80? 70. A 70 to 80 is... Or 70 and up is a first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have absolutely no like. Would a triple first be that she got like a ninety or above in everything? I think she actually took three degrees simultaneously and got a first in each of them. Oh that's god, why I'm interpreting it. <sighs> god, yeah. she's the she's that sort. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I don't know, but I I feel like she also probably got nineties and everything. <laughs> Someone I knew exactly. got a ninety in a presentation, and everyone was in awe. Like everyone on the course was like. How? Um, I think my highest was an 83 on an essay I didn't think I'd done very well on. And they were like... Yeah, I think I hit like 88 once. Yeah, I I like... And that was unprecedented. I was really confused writing it, so I just asked a lot of questions in the essay and I got a bunch of notes that were like, great critical analysis asking all these questions. Nice, I guess. It was about... Oh God, what was it about? Oh, it was about grouping in maths and english so like whether you group by ability or not oh interesting yeah it was a guy i actually quite liked researching it and marcus who was the leader of maths was like the best guy ever i miss him but i don't know i I don't think romana one could have hacked it on my primary education course because she would have had would have had to interact with a lot of children and she doesn't seem like she would be very good with children um no but that's fine because um (laughs) this why thing is purely theoretical i'm not getting into like astral projection tiktok or whatever what what have i missed (laughs) there's this whole concept and i don't really understand it i'm sure it will have all been a flash in the pan by the time this episode comes out (laughs) this concept where people are like like i mean in quotation marks astral projecting into other realities or into alternate alternate selves or whatever and meet it like it's like other kin but like the next level up from other kin um, and I like I'm not you know do what you want. <laughs> I just also acknowledge that I'm not going to meet Romana on the astral plane because she does not exist. Or does she, is she waiting for you on the astral plane? I don't want to think about it because what if she never what know. if she rejects me on the astral plane? That'll be much more painful. Oh, and then you're on the astral plane and you need to get back home and if you're emotionally <laughs> distressed. I imagine that makes the return yeah, journey a lot harder. It'll be harder. like in um, a hat full of sky and the hiver will get me. <laughs> Which is a bad, bad option. It would. Everyone read Tiffany Aching. Yes. <laughs> that's my that's my suggestion from Wife City, is that you should read Tiffany Aching, but specifically as a nine-year-old, because it's formative. <laughs> oh. <sighs> anyway. All right. It's... Shall we jump <clears throat> on to our next section? Yes, let's get on the train behind this. It's chugga 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 choo choo. Today's science fiction so often becomes tomorrow's science fact. Um, welcome to behind the scenes. Today it's, it's a it's a low energy behind the scenes, so we're stepping back into the wings of this theatre. Got some got some fairy lights on. There's probably cupcakes. We got we got a few fun facts. Yeah, not many, but a few. A few. Um, 
this episode first, this story first broadcast in September of 1978. Um, so Robert Holmes, who Tardis Wiki have described as a narco, <laughs> makes his disdain of the concept of the arc clearly on. Makes his disdain for the concept of the arc clearly early on. Makes his disdain for the concept of the arc clear early on. There we go. Well the White Guardian is characterised as an enigmatic bully dressed as a colonial gentleman who is willing to threaten the Doctor. He spends most of the episode befriending some hostile criminal. Honest? Um, mm? You said you said hostile, not honest. My God, I'm so tired. It's okay. Befriending some honest criminal. So yes, yeah, it's, it's that that alignment of power. And I, th- I wonder if this was strong again stronger in a previous draft and then had to be cut back to fit with the rest of the key to time the mood of it if they were trying serial rather than just a one-off yeah it's like because he was the script editor from 75 to 77 so he just who was the script editor at this point i don't think it was him to do it wouldn't have been him for this it, would it have been douglas adams or was that later not quite sorry um, i was distracted on his um tardis <laughs> Did you know that at the end of World War Two, Robert Holmes was the youngest serving officer in the British Army? Huh, I didn't. Because he would have been 19, just. That's that's. You. I don't know. Uh... Um, Anthony Reid would have been the script editor. Oh, so he the yeah. Because the... they wanted to do uh, Keys of Marinus. Which would have been really good if they'd actually been able to emulate Keys of Marinus. Yeah. God, I love Keys of Marinus. Hang on. Um, continue doing the segment. I'm going to get the, the book, my physical book. Nice, okay. Um, originally, the shortened form of Romana was going to be Romy. It's a very cute um, nickname. Is My headphones are really come off. cute. <laughs> I like it a lot. I think it. Oh, okay, chair done. I like it a lot. I think it's very cute. I don't think it suits her. No, it does not. I'm back. Um, I've got the book. There's also this quote from Doctor Who, the Television Companion which I thought was quite funny. The Rewas operation is notable for having very high production values. <coughs> it certainly outshines most of the previous season stories in this respect, looking altogether more sumptuous and polished. Uh. Disagree, but looking at all of the reviews from the like 80s and 90s about this episode, everyone seems to hold it in quite high esteem and talk about how well made it was, which I, I don't <sighs> think it is. Maybe we just no. have different I mean, what was in the previous, quantifiers. What was in the previous series? There was Tarns of Wang Chiang... Uh, Beloved, for some reason. Yeah. Uh, God. Let me get my list. Uh, Horror of Fang Rock, probably. Horror of Fang Rock, which is great. I love Horror of Fang Rock. Yeah. Um, Invisible Enemy, Image of the Fender, The Sunmakers, Underworld, and Invasion of Time. Oh, I've heard Underworld is dreadful, so maybe that's it. <laughs> that might be why. They might have just dropped somehow. Oh, there was a new producer as well, Graham William. Ah, interesting. <laughs> Sorry, they've mentioned the creature from the pit in the book. <laughs> the design was somewhat unfortunate. Uh, I like the design. Right. Let's see. Uh, head of serials Graham McDonald exercised great control over the script and was quick to jump on anything that might cause upset. Um, and he took f- a s- exception to phrases like female assistant and junior female acolyte sexist remarks in the scripts of the ri- the reboss operation. So Williams had less control over the content of the key to time than Hinchcliffe did over his story. Interesting. Uh, let's see. The 15th season had an average of 8.9 million views. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Okay, here we go. 
It was partly in response to the fluctuation of viewers during season 15 that Williams and script editor Anthony Reid decided that the 16th season should have a linking narrative in an attempt to maintain viewers throughout. To this end, they sent the Doctor and his new companion on a quest to find six segments of something called the Key to Time. Williams explained the intention thus. The Doctor will be seen to have six independent ventures, each linked by the common theme. Those who wish to join him in episode 1 and follow him through to episode 26 will gain the momentum and bonus of following the story through. Those who choose to watch only one venture will enjoy it for its own sake. The scope in each venture is as wide and as free-raging as ever, but should be encouraged as far as possible to see what happens next. Um... The strategy was only partly successful. The season averaged 8.6 million viewers, but saw an even greater variation between individual episodes. Thus, while the lowest audience for the entire season was 6.5 million for the first episode of The Power of Kroll, the highest audience was 12.4 million for the very next episode of the same serial. <laughs> what? What was happening in the late 70s? I have no idea. God. Let's see if there's any more references to Rebus. This book is great, by the way. Once again, it's Inside the TARDIS, The Worlds of Doctor Who by James Chapman. Lots of good stuff in it, if anyone's interested. I don't know whether it's in print or not, because I got this copy from my mum's study. <laughs> but are you into... Charity shops are a good thing. Yeah, are you into Reboss Operation The, or Operation The Reboss? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Reboss Operation The, oh yeah, that's the only mention. Yeah, just the mention about the sexist remarks. <laughs> so there we are. Huh. Yeah, I think there's not much to say about this episode. Apparently, Tom Baker had a bite on his face from a dog. Oh, yeah, and he had to cover. They had to like <clears throat> angle the production, the camera awkwardly, so they didn't show off his his cut. Yeah, it was just for the last day of filming, I think. Yeah, and they uh, brought back K9, even though the prop had been really annoying the previous season. <laughs> <laughs> because he was just so popular he's so popular he's the best character in doctor who history um <laughs> man he was just wonderful um god i'm on uh robert holmes's page as well but i'm sure we'll get to more robert holmes stuff in the uh robert holmes was also commissioned to write yellow fever and how to cure it for the original season 23 yeah. It was going to be uh, set in Singapore and have uh, Anthony Ainley's master and the Autons. That would have been great. It sounds kind of fun. <laughs> um, I mean, season 23 instead is Trial of a Time Lord, which I personally adore. Yeah, I just feel like maybe we could have had this and Trial of a instead of an 18-month hiatus. Also, this was supposed to be the one where he met the yeah. Brig. Ugh. Ugh. It's okay, you know. <laughs> it makes me sad. It makes me sad too. But yeah, that's... You know, some of our behind-the-scenes stuff, I guess. I'm now on story yeah, notes. Little... Um, <laughs> God. A lot of them are quite um, oh. bland, I found, when I was looking through them. This story was the last season opener to introduce a new companion until Rose in 2005. Yeah, they would just come and leave mid-season. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess it indicates, like, the change in how the companions are important to, like, the arc of the series. Whereas in this one, it was a serial the individual stories were still all kind of like they were viewed as their own kind of mini thing right um yeah i don't know if that makes sense <laughs> oh my yeah, god I think it is. <laughs> the dog that bit him was owned by graph indicator actor oh interesting oh i didn't know god. that paul seed later you know the um the the tv director so there you go yeah the more you know yeah we would all go, except Miss Shaw. Oh, just a minute, I'm not going to miss all No, Miss Shaw. Have you never heard of female emancipation? Liz, this time I think he's right. 
Okay, so critique. Uh, we've already talked about this. The sets look terrible. <laughs> like yeah, they did their best, and I'm sure that on a little TV, and it was filmed on video, like on a small TV with this film quality, probably would have looked fine. But when you're watching it, even on my phone, it looked really bad. <laughs> like that's generally quite a damning sign. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, and it doesn't really have a consistent theme, and it's boring and stuff. So how would we improve the reboss operation? Um, I had a a really a really radical idea which I proposed to you, which is I think it would be better if it was, for example, called the Keys of Marinus and had one Barbara Ian and Susan in it. I think I think you're onto something there. I think if we watch the Keys of Marinus again, we might have a better time. Yeah, God, I love the Keys of Marinus. Every time we oh. watch a serial, I'm like, man, I love this, and I also love the Keys of Marinus. <laughs> But I think Key to Time is going to really bring that into sharp relief. Hopefully, the the future ones will be better. We are going to be whenever Key to Time comes up in our random number generation, we're just going to do them. Yeah, we do the subsequent in order. Key of Time. Um, I'm sure it doesn't yeah. really matter, but we decided it does. But yeah, so, like ugh. it does have a couple. Like the Stones of Blood is a really good episode. Yeah, but yeah, how how do so how there do is we some a bit more context about what's going on with the guardians why yeah. this matters yeah etc it feels like they didn't want to um, overwhelm the first episode with it but like it almost reminds me of traken you know when the keeper shows up at the beginning of traken <coughs> yeah it's like a similar Ooh, setup sorry for the yawning. but it just i don't know like they arrive on rebos and all this stuff happens but it it doesn't feel connected at all to what the doctor and romana are doing yeah um, or maybe have the white guardian meet them on Rebos. Yeah, maybe. Rather than having this additional location. Or, oh, I don't know. It, and, and it feels think... like even just have the... Because they, they get this detector thing, because is it that he doesn't even know where they are? Or is it that he doesn't want to tell them where they are? Like, It's, it's really ambiguous. Just have him send them places, but they won't do it because he's a capricious old man. <laughs> Um, because I needed a plot up, a plot arc to get them through. I think they should bring the black and white guardian back. I think that would be good. I think that would be good. I would not be surprised at all if that's where they go in the next. Movie. Yeah. Oh man, that would be so fun. And then we could have another version of the key to time. We have to, co- but better. We've got to collect the key of- keys to time again. And John Bishop is with us now. <laughs> he's the Romana of this season. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's going to be fine. I'm just sick of. I'm, I'm sick of Earth companions. I want an alien or a robot again. Um, or a historical Give us chameleon one. or give us death. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be on our side when we go on hunger strike outside BBC Studios. <laughs> it's going to be on my bloody gravestone. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they gave you death instead of chameleon. Yeah. If they give us chameleon, yeah. we will be the first medical case of immortality. Because we'll be alive forever, basking in the glory of having chameleon. Um <laughs> This was our plan all along. It was. It was. Eternal life shall be ours. <laughs> A new body. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, like I'm not. I'm not a script writer, obviously. But it just feels like this either needed to be three episodes, or they needed to have a stronger through line for this like con man plot. Like yeah. you needed to have a reason to care. Yeah, I think that's what was completely lacking. Like even if that, that it lacked a heart. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's partly because it felt like it was so contained within this place. Like, they go to the catacombs, but it's still a set. And it still feels really contained. Like, maybe you go out somewhere and they're like, let's go out and visit the Shrivenzales in their natural habitat or whatever. And then you get, like, some fucking location footage of a quarry <laughs> with a puppet in it. 
Yeah. Like, just anything to expand the world of Reboss a bit. Because, like, they try. Anything but... to give us a feel. We're told a lot about the world of Reboss, but we're not shown it. Yeah, and it it's sounds lazy. interesting. It's lazy story. And instead, we get polystyrene. So, yeah, I don't know. Tweet us with your ideas about how you'd fix the Reboss operation in any way you like. Although, preferably. As much as I like to joke about just replacing it with the Keys of Mariners, <laughs> um, preferably in a way that still makes it recognizably the Reboss operation. <laughs> Um, alternatively titled, let's see, Operation um. The Galactic Conman and The Reboss File. The Galactic Conman sounds like a Star Trek The Original Series episode. It sounds like a another title for Dragonfire. Oh my god, the Big Finish has something called the Key 2 Time Trilogy, where the 2 is the number 2. <laughs> Ugh, what? No! I'm desperate to know more about this, but the link is red. I'm going to search it. Key two time. Oh, well, there you go. Um, I actually have a different thing to talk about when it comes to the key to time, but I will be uh, researching this in more depth. Okay. Do you want to leave that for a different thing? I'll leave that or? one for a different thing, but the the, the I, ha- I have some stuff to talk about when it, <laughs> when it comes to the expanded universe. But yeah, God, just fix I, this story. <laughs> I feel like what's actually quite interesting about this is even with stories like The Twin Dilemma, we were able to identify things that were wrong and things that would improve it. But here it yeah. doesn't feel like there's that base. It feels like it should be good, but it isn't, which is so frustrating. Mm, which is doubly frustrating. I think it's like, I don't know, like the actors are good and like the the performances are fine and you're just there like, but where's the like the mortar that's holding these bricks together? I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. And if you love this, please tell us why. <laughs> please help us. Yeah, legitimately. Like, what's right about the, ri- the oh my god, I said it again, the reboss operation. It looks like it should be riboss. <laughs> like Ribena. Maybe you just want some rye bread. I want Ribena. <laughs> That's what I want. Um, I didn't get takeaway today, so I could justify buying a Blahage. Um, Very proud of yeah. you. Blahage is the best. Blahage is Let me get this straight. A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere in time and space? Yes. Quite so. But that's ridiculous. Um, So our Expanded Universe segment this week, I'm going to talk about Romana 1 in the EU to start with. So she's less prevalent in the EU because sadly I think Mary Tam passed away a few years ago now. Um, Yeah, in 2012. But she, she has been in a couple of audios. She was in two of the Gallifrey audios. Um, I think once as someone who wasn't Romana, which is always interesting. Huh, okay. Uh, and she was in four Companion Chronicles. She was in seven of the fourth Doctor Adventures. Um, just before she died, she recorded a whole bunch of them with Tom Baker. And then she was in two of nice. the Target adaptations. I had never mentioned the Target adaptations before. Essentially, they ju- I think they are just audiobooks of the novelizations, which are already based on the television thing. <laughs> So they kind of feel superfluous to me, but you know, whatever floats your boat, big finish. Um, I didn't read <laughs> the Target novel for make this it one work. either because I was very busy watching Transplants. Um, We've had a busy week. Yeah. Um, You've been watching Transplant. I've been working. fighting my inbox. Yeah. And she was in. I've been a slave <laughs> to capitalism. Yeah, and she was in two audio short trips. Bookwise, she was in one Virgin Missing Adventure, which were the like the um, Virgin version of the Past Doctor Adventures. She was in two of the Past Doctor Adventures, one of which is Heart of Tardis, which is the one I talked about before, where two Jamie and Victoria accidentally get booked into a sex hotel, and that's the only worthwhile part of it. Um, <laughs> she was in five short trips and one Shakespeare Chronicle, which is a different short story series. I th- 
think she was in one of the Tales of Terror as well, but... You know, for for the purposes of this segment, I have selected a short trip from Short Trips: The Quality of Leadership. Um, <clears throat> Ooh, good title. Yeah, it's the twenty fourth Big Finish uh, Short Trips anthology and the twenty seventh overall, and it is you know stories about leadership. It is called Good Queen, Bad Queen, You Queen, I Queen by Terry Osborne, and it is a that's a really good title. It is. It is a story about the Doctor and Romana One uh, and. I think K9 is about, but he mostly sticks on the TARDIS. They go back, they have the randomizer on, and they end up in Roman Britain when the Iceni and Boudicca are about to be attacked by the Romans. So Romana and the Doctor go and meet Boudicca uh, and her children. It's very good. Boudicca is really cool. Um, And the various historical... Can I I, I interject something here? I want some Boudicca, Romana, slash... Oh, absolutely, mate. (laughs) Um... That's all. I love Boudicca. I'm actually very interested in Boudicca because I read, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, the, the, the Roman Britain travelogue, Journey Under Another Sky. Uh, <laughs> Under Another Sky, Journeys in Roman Britain has a whole thing about how Boudicca may or may not have existed. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, because all of the records of her Is are that... like Roman kind of things. So she may have been a person, but maybe not in the way that she's presented or she may have been like an amalgam of different people that's really interesting because it has priest targus in the story as well he's dying at the beginning and he dies and the tardis arrive um and the doctor is like well we can't change history but we can participate in it um in an attempt to like keep it on track right because it was mm-hmm. really unlikely that she would manage to rally all these different tribes together um but then Boudicca gets whipped, which I think historically happened as well, and the Doctor takes her to recover in the Zero Room in the TARDIS, and wouldn't you know, Romana 1 has to pretend to be Boudicca. Um, so she... I love it. She puts on a wig, and she puts on, like, platform shoes and the same outfit, and she has a talk with, like, a voice modulator. She goes out and talks to her Boudicca's children, and is like, you have to call me mummy, um, so that we can sort things out until your mum is feeling better. Uh, so she just pretends to be Boudicca for, like, I think a couple of days. She speechifies to all of these different tribes to get them to work together against the Romans um, and Boudicca has a little moment with K9 where she's like what is this metal <laughs> um, oh. which later becomes a little bit perplexing because um, after like the battle and everyone's been wiped out Boudicca is still alive and you're like well that's insane. Um, and she's like wrapping the body of one of these women and she gives the body her sword and she's like feeling all these energies rising up inside her and you're like okay what's going on because the Doctor and Romana leave at this um, wait is Boudicca a time <laughs> yes of course how did I not see this coming um, she goes off into the woods and takes her new form and like you know she's been around for- like there's a slip just at that point where she says she's been around for centuries and you're like what uh, and then it says her her like time lord name, and she goes off in her TARDIS, and you're like, what? And that's the whole story. It's like that's brilliant. It's so good. I love that as a concept. It's a really fun one, and I like featuring Doctor Who stuff written by women because you know not enough Doctor Who canon content gets to be written by women. So I recommend this mm-hmm. one. It was pretty interesting. I think Quality of Leadership has a couple of other ones that I'm interested in reading, but obviously I'll get back to it over time. Um, but that is not the end of our expanded universe segment because I want to talk about the saviour of time. Have you heard of the saviour of time? No, I have not. It is an interactive Doctor Who video game that was released on Skype. <coughs> on Skype? On Skype. On, as in on... Da, 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 phone call Skype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, the, I love how musical what? this episode is. 
Um, yeah, there was a Skype bot that like prompted you through text and occasionally through phone calls. And it used the Twelfth Doctor and a new search for the key to time to deliver educational content. Oh my god! I like I don't know if it never still needed anything. More. I was so terrified it wouldn't still work. I just decided not to check. Um, I love the idea so much. So like apparently the whole point is like every few hundred years the key to time needs to be found again and reassembled to restore peace and balance to the universe. Of course, naturally. Connect to Skype and help the Twelfth Doctor find the key to save the universe. Um, That's why... I, I'm also quite surprised that passed me by during the Twelfth Doctor's tenure. Yeah, like, I wasn't into Doctor Who at the time because I had been, you know... I, I, I just fell off the, the wagon. <laughs> um, I was, As happens. I was at university, you know, but um, it all sounds very fun. And you go down this list of potential planets and the Doctor says, oh, it'll probably not be on neptune but it might be on one of the moons and then you have to try and get to the moons by typing the coordinates um so like it, this is all while the doctor is with nardole and bill on the tardis um, <laughs> you're like helping okay you're like you're helping guide the tardis from your computer because i guess the doctor can't do it for some reason um because he doesn't know how to fly the tardis the buggy no longer has a steering wheel due to a fiasco where the doctor needed to make a crown for a frog princess and you must drive it from 2.7 billion miles away <laughs> Wow, this is incredible. It all just sounds fantastic. Like, it's six episodes. I need to know more about this. I need to know if I can still play it. I need to know everything. Everything. And, like, at one point, the Sontarans turn up and start messaging you. Like... This sounds incredible. Yeah. There's... Please play it and report back. I will do my best. Also, there were a, In time for our there next were a couple of episode. extra interactions that you could have with the bot. You could ask if the Doctor knows who Clara is, because obviously he got his memory of her erased, and he'd go, oh yeah, I knew a Clara once. Clara Bow! And you're like, oh my god. Um, there's like, there's a lot of stuff about it, basically. Um, and it all looks fun. There's like... I love being a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, it's always a wild there's time. There's so many extra things. Like, like during Chapter 6, if you mention that you wouldn't mind gaining the Doctor's eyebrows, he mentions that he's flattered, but there is only room in the universe for one set of eyebrows like his wow it's very fun it's very very fun iconic it's it i thank you so much for sharing that no problem i was so delighted when i found out because i at the time i was trying to find the tardis wiki page for the the lonely assassins the new phone game i've mentioned that has an arg oh yeah um, which i'm sure will have all been sorted out by the time this episode comes out but i was trying to find it and i found that instead and i was like what is this? I also found flash downloads for some of the old Doctor Who website games. Um, oh my god, incredible. So, yeah, check out TARDIS Wiki if you want to play the last Dalek again. Uh, and who doesn't? And who doesn't? He doesn't need that there's to get the, us through. There was also the Ghost Watch game where you had to try and find ghosts in a kitchen, but I couldn't... I remember that so vividly. Yeah. And also I managed to get onto the old Torchwood House website, but the game wasn't working. Like, I had to download a flash, an extra Flash extension because the normal Flash one doesn't work because Flash is gone. <laughs> um technology there was a lot there was a lot going on with it but yeah uh so that's my eu segment again a short one we're a low energy podcast this episode and we've still been recording for an yeah. hour nearly two hours <laughs> nearly two hours some of it i had to go onto the door but you know uh so let's move on to rankings ranking um my x of the week i'm gonna be quite lazy about it again because the energy isn't there and just say outfit of the week for romana yeah. because 
hot fucking damn. Mine is aspirational hug of the week for the shriven Zale. I want to give it a little cuddle. <laughs> Once you've got your blahage, you can then yes. make yourself a little yes. shriven yes, Zale. exactly. God, I want my blahage so bad. I haven't even ordered it yet. And I'm like, I want the blahage. Um... Um, I must say my quality of life has improved notably since we got the jungle swarf. Jungle scog. The bear. Jungle scog. Jungle scog. Yeah. So good. Yeah. God. And I know you have a blahage as well. I just, I think they're adorable. I actually asked my friend to buy yeah, me one when she went so to good. Ikea like Great two friends. years ago, but they didn't have any. Devastating. <laughs> Boo. Anyway, uh, next on to the best segment in podcasting, <laughs> the most rigorously researched segment yeah. in podcasting. <laughs> Six degrees of Blake Seven. Yeah. <laughs> I always anticipate this part of our, our yes. recording sessions. Okay, so I actually have a couple because I discovered one uh, while recording, which was why I was kind of absent mentally. Um, so the first one is John Leeson, who voices K9, was in two episodes of Blake Seven, uh, Mission to Destiny and Gambit, as two different characters called Pasco and Toys. I believe he would have been, you know, not voicing, he would have been physically acting, which is such a fascinating concept to me. <laughs> like seeing John Leeson and hearing his voice come out of his mouth. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's... Yeah, I can imagine that being wild. Yeah, it's a weird one. And then that's one degree. And there's another one degree, which is the Robert Holmes who wrote this episode, wrote the series B or series two episodes, Killer and Gambit, and the series D episodes, Traitor and Orbit. So he wrote one of the episodes that John Leeson was in. Yeah. Um, oh, that's nice. So yeah, those are my degrees of Blake Seven. Uh, it was much easier to research this week than it has been many other times because I was just clicking down the IMDb page like, one of these people better have been in bloody Blake Seven. <laughs> Um, I'm really looking forward to when we get to one of the um, Paul Darrow episodes, like Time Lash. No, no, it's not Time Lash. No, it might be Time Lash. <laughs> Shit, which one is it? Is it Time Lash or Mind Warp? It doesn't matter. I do anyway. Not know. Um, but yeah, so that's our Six Degrees of Blake Seven. <laughs> I can't remember the tune. Uh, and now we have, I have to no rank the episode out of five or rankings. Rated. Yes. Probably giving it two pieces of stone you thought was a very valuable mineral <laughs> out of five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it um ooh, I'm gonna give it one and a half polystyrene snowballs out of five. <laughs> it was just so boring. Like Yeah. Because <laughs> like gave what Delta and the Bannerman two stars, but I you know, I that one is a flawed story that's like bloated, but at least the stuff that's in it is insane. Stuff happens and it's interesting yeah and it's got rain it's in just it. wild it. it's got melon in it um Ugh. but yeah so i give it one and a half you give it two where does it that put it on our overall yeah. ranking i i i'm inclined to say it goes below twin dilemma oh man <sighs> i know that's a damning statement i think maybe now that we've had some distance from it we have kind of forgotten how bad twin dilemma was because <laughs> i remember being really but I also sad remember that we were I remember we were able to pull at least more aspects out of Twin Dilemma, oh. where this just feels so lacking. I don't know. I think the thing with Twin Dilemma is, like, Colin Baker is so good in it that I almost yes. forget how dreadful the writing, the production, the acting of everyone else is. 
literally like, every other aspect. Whereas I think that Reboss yeah, is just a boring episode of Doctor Who. So like I'm more inclined to damn it because it's not memorable. Okay. But Twin Dilemma is memorable because it is awful. Because it's not So good. I would put it above Twin Dilemma and below Delta. But happy with that. Yeah. And I'll look it up on the DWM 2009 poll. Um, Please yeah. do. Where do you think that's going to be? Where do you think Reboss is going to be? I think it's <laughs> probably going to be around... See, having read all of the positive reviews around it, probably around 130. I'm going to say 90 just to, you know, see. Ooh, spicy. I don't know. Like, I don't think it deserves it. But there's some insane opinions on here. For example, the talents of Wang Chiang at number four. Right, Reboss. 105. Okay. So kind of dead between the both of us. It's a Right in yeah, the it's middle, a, It's yeah. above Robot and below Frontios. Uh, huh. And then Mordron Undead is at 102. <laughs> Which we ranked significant, well, not significantly higher. <laughs> Somewhat higher. higher. <laughs> God, <laughs> our ranking at the moment. We ranked it higher than Nymon. Yeah, so. we, we did rank it higher than Nymon, that's true. Um, but then the gap between the rescue and Mordron Undead is, I think, quite cavernous. <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely, and that will fill up over time fill as up well. Over time. But yeah, we've only done, we've now done ten percent of classic. Oh my hate. god! Oh no! What are we gonna do when we run out? <laughs> It'll be fine. Um, we will find I something. I think it's your turn to do the outro. And next episode, we're doing uh, vengeance cool. on Varos. Vengeance on Varos. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week for our discussion about the Rebus operation. Let us know if you agree or disagree with any of our takes by sending us a message on Twitter at PolarityPod or on Tumblr at PolarityPod.tumblr.com. Please do. And join us again next time when we'll be discussing Vengeance on Varus. Very exciting. Get ready for some yes. commentary on reality television. <laughs>